title of my message is Love Trumps All. This is a, a very popular portion of scripture. And although I've titled my message Love Trumps All, that's not necessarily the direction I'm going in. But I found through studying these scriptures that love needs to be the basis of what I'm going to be talking about today. It absolutely has to be the foundation uh, of what we're going to be discussing. And what we're going to be discussing is not necessarily all about love, though there is some that will talk about that. But what I'm going to be talking about today in my message is about the spiritual gifts. It's, it's uh, been brought to my attention just through rubbing shoulders with some of you, not you in particular. We have, we have, we have essentially probably like three to four different communities within, I think, maybe two in our church where there's like two groups of people that kind of just like swing out. And then there's our, our prayer and worship community that kind of just uh, swing out. So as those communities kind of come in and go out, I get to, you know, talk to a lot of people and kind of find out uh, where they're at. So I wish I could say that I came from this message out of uh, a deep season of prayer, but I didn't. I simply came about it by just, just talking and, and to some of you. And um, I found that there's a bit of confusion around the gifts of the Spirit, particularly uh, if they still are um, applicable to us today, if we still operate in them today. Now, for some of us, I understand, you're looking at me like I have five heads. This is already, uh, you're already sure about this issue. There's no, there's no, uh, you know, do they, don't they in you. You're, you're solid. You're either, they do, they do exist and they haven't ceased, or they don't exist and they have ceased, or they were for a certain time. And my hope today is to kind of, through the scripture, not kind of, but through the scripture, uh, um, portray what Paul talked about it uh, as it relates to what I'm talking about now. So again, this message, although it's called Love Trumps All, is not necessarily all about love. Although it is. It's weird, it's, but it's... Anyways, let's read uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1-7. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And then he goes on to explain what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It doesn't rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Wow, we can just press pause and absorb that in, try to get the full understanding of what Paul is speaking here. Such great words. The direction that I kind of want to go in here is that, again, like I said, the title of my message, Love Trumps All, but love should also be the motivating factor of every express gift given by the Holy Spirit. You probably understand, you're probably thinking, what is he talking about? Some of you, some of you nodding your head like, I think I know what he's talking about. Let me say it one more time. 
Love trumps all and should be the motivating factor of every expressed gift given by the Holy Spirit. What brought me to this conclusion was I was thinking about Jesus' life, His walk, His ministry, particularly areas of where He healed and He performed miracles, He operated in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I found that there was a common theme, and that common theme was that Jesus was moved by compassion. He was filled with love, either by someone's faith, or just the hunger that they had, the desire that they had to be filled or to be delivered or healed. He was moved by compassion. And in my opinion, this is exactly what Paul is talking about here. Everything becomes murky without love. So before we can talk about, do gifts exist for today? Should we be operating in prophecy? Should we be operating? Should we be speaking in tongues? Should we be praying for healing? Uh, uh, yes, it's my belief, and I believe it's Paul's, and I believe as we go on in chapter 13, we're going to see that. But, do I believe that there's a caution that should come? You know, what am I saying here? Well, we're a people, and I mean by like a, our core group and some of us in the room, we're a people who heavily believe and are praying for the outbreak of the Holy Spirit. In our city, in our church, in our house of prayer, upon our friends, we are believing God for miracles, for signs that make you wonder, as Bill Johnson says, we're believing for the inbreak of the kingdom of God. Amen. But, I often, in believing that and praying for that, I often sometimes think, what is the real disconnect on why we're not experiencing that, but also hungering for that? And I start to think, as Paul thinks, the deficiency in the church of love. You know, for me, sometimes I think it's just maybe a weakness or maybe just a thing that the church don't, doesn't view as important for there to be, actually be the gifts of the Spirit in operation in the church. But I, I've come even through reading the Scripture that it's really a lack of love. Mm-hmm. With, you know, and, and the Bible talks about really loving people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, not presuming or putting off the appearance as though you love somebody, mm-hmm. but really love them. And, and, and through studying the scripture, I, I've kind of, not fully, but come to an understand that maybe the disconnect that we see, why, why there's not uh, a signs, why there's not spiritual gifts in operation of the church, people getting healed and delivered and so on and so forth, is maybe there is a deficiency in love. Maybe there is a lack of real love. That love that Christ had. The love that actually Christ was stirred with when people would come to Him with needs. Now, for some of you who feel like we, and maybe you're here today, I'm assuming that maybe you are, I'm, you know, I don't want to assume that you're not, um, maybe uh, you don't believe uh, in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, uh, let me just say that, if you don't believe that we should be operating the gifts of the Spirit, you'll probably have a hard time being in this company, because we so believe it. We don't idolize it, we don't glorify it, but we believe that the Lord has a desire to bring forth His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And, at, and stuttering, please, stammering. And through doing that, Him releasing signs that make you wonder, miracles that make you scratch your head and just be like, man, wow, that's cool, God. So love should be the basis. It should be the foundation, the motivating factor of every express gift given by the Holy Spirit. And without it, we become what? Noisy. 
we become, like Paul said, nothing as the church. Without love. It's not without prophecy. It's not without tongues. It's not without healing. It's not. It's without love. Anyways. I understand that through studying this and looking into it, this in terms of these two people groups, or two positions on spiritual gifts, I've, understand, I've come to the understanding that um, there's two types of positions, there's two types of teaching. I'm going to hopefully not butcher these names, because they're actual names, and I don't want to butcher them. Uh, but one is sensationism, and one is continuationism. Today, whether you believe it or not, you fit in one of those categories. It doesn't matter if you fully have the understanding of what these things mean. In your life and in your thought process, when it comes to observing the gifts of the Spirit, you fit in one of these categories. This is not my studying. These are church theologians and people who study this out. I'm trying to debunk uh, the different feelings around issues like tongues. Issues like prophecy, or not issues, but topics, I should say. Topics like prophecy and stuff. And you fit in one of those categories. I'm sorry if you have a hard time with that. I did too. But let me just kind of put it out there where I feel as though our church stands. And let me kind of explain what these two categories are. Sensationism is the teaching that certain supernatural gifts have seized somewhere around the turn of the first century after the Bible was completely written. So, the belief is, listen, after the Word of God was written, no more. We don't have any need, and there is no release or the expression of the Holy Spirit in church. Continuationism, and let me back up. We, as Hilltop, believe that, to a certain point. I know maybe some of you scratching your head. What we do? Yes, Listen, Paul explains this in chapter 13. There are gifts that will cease. What we don't agree with sensationists is when it ends. Okay? So, for instance, let me give you an example. Some of you are looking at me like I've got five heads. Maybe it's just my hair. I don't know. I'm trying to get you to laugh. Everybody just, everybody listen up. Maybe I'm talking to myself. Give me an, give me an example. In heaven, do you think there will be need for evangelism? It would be really strange, John, if you're up there trying to evangelize and passing out tracks, dude. I'll have a talk with you. You know? You say it? No. I mean, yes, I am. Of course he is. He's in heaven, right? There's no need for healing in heaven, right? You're not going to go and start praying for somebody with cancer. Why? Because the cancer no longer exists in the body. We're in our resurrected frame. So we agree with, sens- with sensationism. We just don't agree of when it ends. Their feelings is it ends at the uh, complete writing of the Word of God, no longer in need. And we say, no, it will end, but it's on this part and this belief, we believe in the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit. We would fall within the category, as well as saying, yes, we believe that in heaven there will be no need for the gifts of the Spirit. Obviously, for some, for some of the gifts. But Paul says, love will remain. Love is eternal. It's forever. So, some of the gifts, but love stays intact. We will have that in heaven. And it will last as long as God lasts, which is essentially forever. Amen? So maybe a little bit, you know, you're probably scratching your head, maybe wondering what I'm talking about. Well, let me bring it back. We all fit in one of these two categories through studies, different Christian studies. So, what does that mean? 
Well, we're going to simply look further in the passage of Scripture of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to see what Paul says about it, because he gives us the answer. Glory be to God. Listen, you may be wondering why I'm talking about this. This is important. We are building a church. And it's important to lay down the foundations of what we believe in, not kind of, oh, we're not going to speak in tongues here. No, because Bobby might be offended. I don't think there's anybody with the name Bob here. Hopefully, please, Jesus, if you are, I'm not talking about you. Bobby might get offended. We can't. No, Will, please do not sing in the Spirit. Will, Sally, just doesn't dig that. So it's important that we lay these foundations down because we want to move in harmony. And it, it would be deceptive for us to kind of just masquerade and, 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 and use it for certain times mm-hmm. when certain people are around mm-hmm. uh, than to just get it out and lay it out on the front and say, yes, listen, we believe in the gifts of prophecy. If you're here at a prayer set, you are going to hear people praying in tongues. And guess what? There's not going to be any interpretation. And I say that because you would be surprised on how many churches use that as a model. I served in a church uh, now probably about two years ago. And they did just that. They they believed in tongues. They believed in praying in tongues. They believed in prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit. But it would operate behind closed doors. Listen, the Holy Spirit does not want to be behind closed doors. He's the third man of the Trinity. Okay? And these gifts are for the edification of us. They're for the building up of us. Well, some of you agree. Amen. Three of you. If you want to stand up and shake, and, you know, give me the... So it's good that we lay a foundation of where we are as a church and where we're going. You know, I, for example, I gave you an example of the church... Uh, that I was part of it served, that things would happen behind closed doors. And we would be addressed, hey, listen, don't do this there. Do not pray in tongues out there. Do not. And of course, listen, I believe in order. Listen, there, there was nothing, I think, about the beginning of this service that was, uh, you know, um, not in order or in, in respect and taste. I mean, you just, you don't want to come in and I start praying in tongues and that's my whole message. I mean, what sense would that make? That would just be ridiculous. That's not what I'm talking about. Listen, we believe that there's order to this. And we believe that the scripture paints that order out. But we will not be behind closed doors, saving it for a certain time. Amen? Amen. 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 So it's important that we lay out where we are. Okay. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love never fails, which is to say love never ends. We touched upon this. It is eternal. It will never come to an end because it is grounded in God. And God is love. Love will last as long as God lasts. Period. Forever. Not like the other gifts that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. If there are tongues, they will cease altogether. Once they have fulfilled their function, if there is knowledge, it will be done away with. Paul adds that prophecy... Tongues and knowledge, all of which were very important. And this is important too, to put 1 Corinthians chapter 13 into some context. These people loved the gifts of the Spirit. But you know what? 
They lacked love. So this isn't what, just by chance that Paul was talking about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He was uh, intentional about his delivery. You, and he was saying to the Corinthian church, you, you have such high esteem for things like prophecy and tongues. Even to the point where they navigate every decision you make. If there's something that needs to be prayer about, you, you know, this was how it was. If there, was if there was a situation in the church that needed some confrontation or, or some, you know, um, I don't know what we do word. I want to say governance, but that's not a word, so I'm not going to say it. All right, praise God. I'm not going to make up words. Praise Jesus. <laughs> that was insightful. But if there was something that needed to be dealt with or handled in the church, they would actually have the belief. Oh, we need to go pray. Get a word from God. We shakabak and behind. It was very important. The gifts of the Spirit were very important to the Corinthian church, but they lacked in love. So, there's one question that still needs to be answered. And that is, when will gifts cease? When will they cease? Well, let's see what Paul says. Let's go on and and read here. Because I'm going to read it and then I'm going to explain it. Stay with me now. Verse 8 of chapter 13. Prophecy in speaking in unknown languages, in special knowledge, will become useless. This is where the argument comes. This, This scripture verse verse right here is where the argument divides and comes within the church but love will last forever now our knowledge is partial now here Paul is giving the he's going to begin to give the explanation of what he's talking about because you you got to do some decoding here Uh, you know you can read verse 8 and say okay they're going to they're, they're useless they're done with but now Paul is going to give us some sound uh you know some sound knowledge of when that will come. So you're not going to catch it when I read it. I'm just going to say, you're not going to get it when I read it. And some of you may think you got it, but you don't got it. So, okay? Sorry. Because I, you know, whatever, whatever. Let's start back at verse 8. Prophecy and speaking an unknown language and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when full understanding comes, I want you to remember that, when full understanding comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, now this is funny, I've heard this portion of scripture preached and spoken so many times, and oh how it has been butchered. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. This is all still in verse 9 and 8. He's, he, he is really giving the explanation of when the gifts of the Spirit will cease. Okay? Hopefully I can, I can communicate it just as clear as him. 12, I'm going to start again at 12. Now, we say things imperfectly in a cloudy mirror, but then we will see everything when perfect clarity comes. All that I know is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. forever: Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So the question remains, when do gifts of the Spirit cease? Uh, I'm not going to go there because I already touched upon sensation. I'm not even going to try to repeat the word, but I, 
I'm going to just skim down on my uh, notes. Okay, so the portion, this portion of Scripture, we have um, one respected tradition says that the coming of perfection or completeness refers coming of the day when Scripture is completed. We, we, we talked about that with our sensationism uh, um, uh, group of people. That is when the last inspired writings are gathered into the Bible and the canon of Scripture is closed, okay? All right. And the other, and I'm going to give a little bit more explanation, so just hold on if you're scratching your head, is when Christ returns, okay? The other view says that the coming of the perfect refers to the experience of perfection at the return of Christ. Do you, by me just saying that, and you prob, you're probably not going to get this, did you see uh, what's, in, it, what's, what's kind of in the parallel between these two ways of thoughts? To bring it back, one is saying uh, 8 through, I, I believe, 12 is highlighting that either Paul is saying that the gifts of the Spirit and at the completion of the writing of the Word of God, it's, it's done, no longer exists, or when the perfect... When Paul refers to the perfect, he's what we're trying to get across is he's alluding to the perfect Christ. That when Christ returns is when the gifts of the Spirit will end. Now let me give some explanation because I kind of I went too far forward. And let me let me let me let's get let's tear this apart. Okay. When I became a man, this is looking at the scripture. Uh, in, I believe, verses 11. In the next verse, 11, Paul says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. I became a man and gave up child ways. Paul compares the experience of partial prophecy and knowledge to the experience of childhood. Did you get that? I'm, I'm, I'm trying anything. I'm trying to follow my notes and still trying to preach. It's a little hard. I'm trying to incorporate the most. Let me repeat that. Paul compares the experience of partial prophecy and the knowledge to the experience of childhood. And he compares the passing away of these gifts to the experience of adulthood. I'm, I'm pausing because I'm hoping, I'm hoping we... Okay? Let me read verse 11. When I was a child, we have to see these verses in context to love is patient, in context to if I speak uh, with the tongue of men and angels, but yet not have love, it's but a clanging symbol. We have to look at it in context. He's not changing form. We're not, you know, we often hear when I was a child, uh, I did childish things, but now I'm going to, you know, we often hear that like that's some kind of maturity message. But Paul is actually, well, you can use it, it's awesome if you want to give a good message of gro growing up and becoming mature in the things of God. But it's much more powerful when you look at it in light of what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 1 through 8. Okay? Let me just read this one more time. Paul compares the experience of partial prophecy and the knowledge to the experience of childhood. And he compares the passing away of these gifts to the experience of adulthood. And that comparison doesn't seem to decide the issue for us. What is the issue? Does the gifts of the Spirit still exist for us, to fit, for us today? Let's look at verse 12. Face to face. I'm going to read it. Now, the, now we see things imperfectly in a cloudy mirror. 
but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. Now, other translations will say face to face. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall understand fully. I'm, I'm going somewhere, just track with me. Even as I have been fully understood, now this is really helping us make a decision. And you're saying, no, it's not, Daryl. Yes, it is. And we're going we're gonna to get into it. Here in verse 12, Paul is describing what verse 10 refers to. Namely, when the perfect comes. Do you have your Bibles before you? Are you looking at that? Do you have your iPods, your iPads before you? I want to be sure that we see this. Do you see the contrasts in verse 9 and 10? Between our knowledge is imperfect, verse 9, and then when the perfect comes, the imperfect will pass away. I just gave it to you. What's the perfect? Is it though? Or is it the completion of Scripture? I don't know if you guys are tracking You didn't know I was capable of stunting you, not sounding stupid. Let's, let's just go over this face-to-face bit. Verse 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly. Remember? This is kind of the brief summary of what Paul's saying. But then we will see it face-to-face. Now I know in part that I shall fully understand even as I've been fully understood. Now this is... I'm, not, I'm going to read that part. It's my notes, but I'm not going to read it. Here in verse 12, Paul is describing what verse 10 refers to. Be careful with these notes. When the perfect comes, do you see, again, the contrast between our knowledge is imperfect, and when the perfect comes, who is the perfect? The imperfect will pass away, verse 10. Let me move on before I repeat my notes and start reading things that I'm not supposed to. Okay, let's drop down to verse 12. Now, the contrast in verse 12, in the second part of the verse, now I know in part, contrast with, then I shall fully understand. Verse 12 is clearly describing the coming of the perfect, referred to in verse 10. The question we have to ask ourselves, as I said earlier, what is the perfect? What is the perfect? Paul, I believe, tells us. First he says, Now we see in a mirror dimly. Then, but then, we will see it face to face. My opinion is, Paul is talking about the perfect. He is referring to Christ. Not the completion of Scripture. Why? The Old Testament has about a half a dozen references to seeing God face to face. Those words face to face is the same uh, words that you would find in these references. I'll give you some of them. Revelations 22.4 says that in heaven we shall see God's face. 1 John 3.2 says that when Jesus appears we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He really is. I believe this is exactly what Paul is talking about. That the perfect is when Christ comes. So what am I saying through all you trying to hold on to what I was saying and try to follow with me? 
What I'm saying is I in no way believe that Paul is saying that after the completion of the writing of the Scripture that the gifts ceased. It was only for a certain time and period. I believe that Paul is saying when Christ appears, when the perfect image of the gift giver comes, then the gifts will cease. Why is this important? It's important because there is such a war and such a battle over the gifts of the Spirit in the church. It's a point of contention. It's a point of division. And it ought not to be there. And as believers, we should be activated in the gifts of the Spirit. Listen, I know that gifts can be abused. The gifts that God gives can be abused. Prophecy can be abused. I've probably been at the end of abusing prophecy. I've probably been the one who maybe have abused gifts or or healing or certain things. Just because people abuse them does not mean we should eradicate them and put them to the side. Or even be receptive. You know, I, I can't tell you like, in recent times, how I've been closed to the gift of prophecy. You know, you, you, you're, you're, you're a leader, you're, I mean, you get in prophetic groups and you're starting to lead worship and they just want, oh my God, I just feel the presence of, well, yeah, and, and you're going to go to the nations, you know, and all this, all this jargon goes on and, and you're just like, yeah, I've heard this all before. I've heard all this rhetoric and you become jaded. Come, kind, kind of, you, you look at, at, at the expression of the Holy Spirit very... Because we can't separate the person from the gift giver when that happens. I don't know, maybe I'm just speaking about myself. But it's a dangerous, dangerous place to deem the gifts of the Holy Spirit irrelevant just because they've been abused. Just like anything else. It's a scary place. It's a place we shouldn't... We should desire, as Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1, desire the spiritual gifts that God gives. Mm-hmm. And, and what he says, especially the gift of prophecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that sound like a man who is saying that the gifts of the Spirit are done with? Right. At the completion of the right, they're just done, the Word of God has been written, there's no need for it? That doesn't sound like a man... Who believes in that at all? But even that, even, even this portion of the scripture has been so distorted. We should love, we should desire spiritual gifts. Doesn't mean we abuse them. Doesn't mean we exalt them. Doesn't mean, you know, we just get crazy and unorderly. No. There's order, there's a place, there's a purpose, and we should function in them regardless on what we've seen uh, been abused and what we've seen mishandled. So, I do all this because I want to be really clear. I understand that there's many people not here that are sometimes here, and hopefully they'll look into this message, but we have to be very clear on where we stand with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We desire the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But, as Paul says, let's read it in 14, verse 1. Let love be your highest goal. 
Okay? We got it checked. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. That's where we're going. That's what we want to, to nurture in our community. It's not to be weird, but it's to be operating in all that Christ has available for us. Another reason I say this is you're going to have a very prophetic man in here next Sunday. <laughs> Matter of fact, you'll have prophetic men and women in this throughout our history. They'll be coming in. We're going to introduce tons. We had Louis here. I mean, you don't get any more prophetic than Lou Engel, I don't think. But we're going to have somebody here who definitely operates in a, uh, a gift of prophecy. I've eaten from the fruit of his life. Uh, this man has an accuracy and with prophecy that is scary. And it's not like, it's like, oh my God, you're weird. No, he's legit. He's legit. So, I want us to be open to the gifts of the Spirit. I don't want us to be closed. Real simple message here. We keep love as the foundation. And, and, and we don't uh, seek to exalt prophecy beyond love. We don't, what I mean by that, we don't seek to prophesy w- with the absence of love. We don't seek to speak in tongues just for the sake of speaking them with the absence of love, or pray for healing with the absence of love. Love must be. Actually, love is what is going to release these characteristics into the earth, these abilities into the earth. It's not praying for the release of them more. It's growing in love. I can can surely say from looking at this portion of Scripture and stepping back and saying, well, I don't think that there's a deficit of anointing here. I think that there's a deficit of love. That's good. That puts it in perspective, doesn't it? And you don't, you don't just look at growing in the gift of prophecy. You just don't look in growing in the gift of healing. But you look at growing in the gift of love. And through growing in the gift of love, you grow in the gift of prophecy. You grow in the ability to pray for the sick and then see them be healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? It's good stuff. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this group of people. Lord, I ask God that we would desire spiritual gifts. Lord, especially the gift of prophecy. Lord, we know we've seen it abused, but Lord, I ask God that you would give us new eyes to see, God, your truth. Lord, over this gift. God, and, and the other gifts, Lord, I ask, Lord, that they would be functioning in our community, God. I ask, Lord that we would see signs and wonders in our midst, God. And Father, most than all of these, Lord, that we would grow in love, perfect love for one another, perfect love for others, oh God. Lord, help us not to become like the Corinthian church where we exalt the gifts of the Spirit over the love that you want to place within us and give us for others. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Simple, right? Good. Okay, so again, listen, me and my wife will be uh, at, we'll be going on vacation for a week. Pastor Dan Warmoth will be here. Man, he's like a spiritual, I won't, I won't say dad because it's totally overused, but he's, he's been so instrumental in both me and my wife's life prophetically, um, we, you know, just in the course and the direction that we're heading. You're going to love him. Such a father's heart, man. I mean, he just, you don't even have to hear him speak. He like, he just he spills it. He, you come into a room, he looks like a father. So love him, because he's going to love you, okay? Listen, we're not going anywhere yet. We're going to give our tithes and offerings. I know you thought 
we're gonna we're gonna just jet and oh no, we're gonna give to God as He's given to us. Amen. Amen. Well, it's not about money today; it's about giving. Father, we thank you for the ability that you've given us to sow seed into the kingdom of God. And Lord, we ask, Lord, not only will we give, but that you would multiply that which has been given, God, for the work and the purposes of your kingdom here in the Cambridge area. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. I'm going to leave this with Izzy. She's going to pass it. Crystal's going to get in the back. It's a short message, but we love you, and we hope to see you next Sunday. Bro, it's awesome.